0: It is officially colder than a witch's brass tit today.
1: It's so bad, and I know that it's really the only thing we can talk about, is because we're Pittsburghers and we have to discuss the weather constantly. Mm-hmm. But like, this sucks. Dude, it's
0: bad. <laughs> this like, I was to, there were like dead pigeons on the street
1: that have been <laughs> like frozen Holy to death. It like is the day after it was tomorrow. So bad. It was so. They bad. just froze in mid-flight. It's it. I, I counted at
0: least three in about the seven blocks I had to walk today.
1: Oh god.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not good out there. Although it's nice and warm in here, we are drinking wine. We are drinking a French wine because today we are talking about a French man. Jean Bart. Jean Bart. <laughs> yeah, get get used to this. This is gonna be, we're going deep on the offensive French accents. I today, hope you like
1: guttural French accents because you're getting them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Well, of course, I'm Rob North,
1: and I'm your co-host Chris Miller,
0: and this is, believe it or not, thieves, rogues, and renegades. And today we are, as I said, talking about Jean Bart. Now, Jean Bart wasn't necessarily a villain. Like most of the individuals we've covered, but he's
1: kind of white bread as far as his personal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: not not necessarily a bad guy, but we've included him because he was a privateer of very humble birth who ended up rising through the ranks to become an admiral in the French Navy and win a place at the court at Versailles, which was not a very friendly place to people of common birth. Uh, but he managed to do it through acts of bravery, daring, do, subterfuge. He definitely fits, I would say. Into the rogue category.
1: Yeah, and and if you have uh, been a dutiful listener of the podcast, we have covered in the past that privateers are also pirates. Mm-hmm. So it's just you already know this one. We don't have to explain ourselves. Pirates Do you with guys your backing. Heart? So
0: <laughs> let's go over today's sources. Here's the annoying thing.
1: This was t- this was a rough about
0: one. Jean Bart. I looked and I looked and I looked and I could not find any modern books about Jean Bart in English. There are dozens and dozens in French and Dutch and in Flemish. I don't have the time to translate it. I mean, my French is pretty good. I don't speak Dutch. I don't speak Flemish. But, you know, we're doing an episode every two weeks. We can't.
1: Yeah, th- come on. Don't have hey, that we, kind of this time. isn't what we do for a living.
0: So, I do we do have three primary sources, the most recent of which was written in 1851. <laughs> Um, (laughs) The the, most recent. uh, That was the translation of the Histoire Maritime de France by Léon Garin. Uh, We also have The Life of the Celebrated Jean Bart by the Reverend Edward M. A. Mangan from 1828. And we have, of course, Memories by Claude de Comte de Forbin from 1713. So we're this is about as up-to-date as it's going to get on this podcast. This is the cutting frickin' edge here, people. Yeah, right. So, yeah, shall we... Shall we just go, oh, you know what, no, 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 before we go into that, what are we drinking today?
1: Oh, man, what we're drinking today, and uh, I guess we're going to have to, I'm going to have to get a beer at some point so that I can do the, the untapped thing, but uh, we'll, we'll have one after,
0: we'll update the untapped after, <laughs> but during the show today, we're actually drinking the Louis Jadot Beaujolais Village, really, really nice French
1: wine, we were it, a little... It's what, it's a 17, it's a pretty... It's 2017, a, okay. yeah, it's not bad. No, it's not bad at all, I kind not of expected grape juice whenever I... I I just grabbed this off the shelf.
0: It's delicious. It's not too heavy on the palate, and you know we're feeling classy, and we're gonna take that classy
1: with the odor of the mild cheese, the fromage. Here we go. Oh no! <laughs> you are gonna give it to your children <laughs> before we get started, sir? Salut. Salut. So,
0: you know, let's take the whole classy wine drinking thing and throw that on its ear because we're gonna start talking now. So. Jean Bart was born on the twenty first of october sixteen fifty His birth name was actually Jan Belt um, in the Flemish speaking town of Dunkirk near the French Belgian border, an area that was constantly being fought over for control by the rival powers of Catholic France and the Protestant Netherlands, and which had been at the center of the struggle for the balance of power in Europe for about a century and a half, really since the Protestant Reformation since the big schism and He came from a long line of seafarers, mostly fishermen but some of his ancestors, particularly his father and grandfather, had sailed on privateering vessels during their lives, which was a common thing in this area of constantly shifting national loyalties and easy access to shipping lanes. Now, his family was quite poor, and by age 12, uh, Jean had taken off to Antwerp to seek work aboard ships in in Antwerp's larger port, and became a... Chris?
1: Became a privateer. No, he became a cabin boy. Oh, oh the cabin boy, the cabin boy. In the service of a cruel that.
0: captain by the name of uh, Jérôme Valpré. Um, so by the age of 15, he ends up going on to serve in the Dutch Navy under the Admiral Michael de Reuter, a very, very famous Dutch admiral, uh, in the Second Anglo-Dutch War, and began to make a name for himself. He took part in de Reuter's famous raid on the River Medway, where they sailed up the river in the uh, southeastern part of England, where many of the British fleet's largest and most powerful warships were moored up. They cut the chain booms to clear the way, and Jean took part in shore raiding parties to help eliminate English defenses and sow chaos, and he was recognized for his bravery and his aptitude, and helped to allow Deuter sailors to capture capture several first-rate ships of the line, sailed them back to Netherlands, and burned several others, including the Royal Charles, which was the flagship of the entire British Navy, uh, which dealt a major defeat to the English, uh, and they weren't used to losing. And when the Treaty of Breda ended that war in 1667, and peace with the English came, Bart's ship was decommissioned, and he was drummed out of the Dutch Navy. He kind of disappears from the records until uh, 1672. Now, the Third Anglo-Dutch War begins, because there are a lot of wars in the 17th century
1: we were just on. discussing this beforehand. Mm-hmm. There were a lot
0: of wars, and all the wars had a lot of really weird names. Yeah, I mean, it. it there was a major war. Often there were several major wars going on between at, the major powers at, at one the same time. time. At one time, I mean, the, the English and the Dutch fought four wars in the second half of the seventeenth century.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the ones with the British overlapped yeah. with with the French, and then you and had then like the Holy the Roman Dutch. Empire, and, and the, the Dutch were fighting the their the own and... independent war against yeah. the French. Yeah, so like. like It it was a busy time at sea. It was a bit of a
0: mess. (laughs) It was a bit of a mess. So, yes, he pops up in 1672. Third Anglo-Dutch War begins. But, as I mentioned before, the Flemish-speaking regions of France and Belgium were an area of constantly shifting loyalties. And whether it was up to uh, personal reasons or for a regional political shift, Bart took up arms on the side of the French, who had allied themselves with the English against a common Dutch enemy. So he's now sailing against the same navy he was serving in five years earlier. So it was at the onset of this war that John took up the old family business of privateering. Now, Dunkirk had been a famous nest of privateers for at least a century with large groups of independent sailors known as the Dunkirkers, sailing out of ports like Dunkirk, Ostend, and Newport in the service of the Spanish uh, monarchy in its long war in the 16th century against the Dutch Republic. They proved themselves to be very skillful raiders and privateers, putting serious pressure on Dutch trade that... Uh, Dutch captains were made to swear an oath that should they capture any Dunkirkers, they were to either A, beat them to death, or B, throw them into the sea, which they euphemistically called washing the feet.
1: Which I do like that your standing orders are just to pommel the dude until he's no no longer longer living. Yeah. That. Just hit him over and over again until he stops twitching. (laughs) That's standard protocol. So these guys were pretty talented. He's still twitching. Hit him again.
0: (laughs) Now there's no solid track of the early part of Bart's privateering career, but it's said that the ships he served on were quite successful, taking prize after prize, and he ended up climbing in the ranks. And eventually by 1675, he'd accumulated enough prize money and reputation in Dunkirk to outfit his own small vessel with four guns and 36 men. Now, the first prize he took as the commander of this vessel was a Dutch frigate with 18 guns, which he ambushed off of what's called the Tessel, I think it's pronounced? Tessel. Tessel, Tessel, I, Tessel I, yeah. I
1: had to go into uh, into Google Translate for that one just to double check, because I, I thought it was yeah. a Tesh also, but no, apparently it's pronounced Tessel. The Tessel,
0: uh, which is an island off of the uh, northern part of the Netherlands, and he captured it without firing a damn shot. Apparently, they snuck up on it, poured over the side, and pulled down the flag, I don't know how he did it. There's no details on how he did it.
1: <laughs> there are very few details yeah. on on a lot of the stuff he does, and I don't know why.
0: It's yeah. There's it not might a be whole because of
1: because we couldn't get our hands on like the probably some of the good sources.
0: Maybe maybe.
1: Well, there's also a lot of official records because he wasn't
0: officially in French Admiralty employ. Now, when he mm. finally gets his commission, that's where we start. Yeah, that's going to change about a little him. bit. Uh, so he upgrades to a ten gun ship in which he attacked a convoy of two Dutch frigates and a dozen, uh, dozen merchantmen. He captures one frigate, he drives the other off, and he captures and burns all but one of the merchant vessels, bringing them all back to Dunkirk, in addition to several other merchant vessels and small men of war that he captured on his cruise, So this dude goes out in one small ship, he comes back with almost 20 prizes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he already has a prolific career. And he's already making a ton of money for himself.
1: The numbers that that come up with this guy are absolutely astronomical and they're borderline absurd. Yeah. Well, and, and we'll, we'll get to that. In yeah. A bit. But it's I like I want I want everybody at home to just keep a running tally in yeah. their head. Right now we're up to about 25. Yeah. Get
0: a little piece of scratch paper and start ticking off marks because mm. it's going to get high. So for the next year uh, actually sorry. In light of his recent victories, the people of Dunkirk end up putting him in charge of a newly outfitted squadron of five privateering vessels, uh, all well-armed, and it's during this time in 1676 that the 26-year-old Bart marries the 16-year-old Nicole Gontier, who would go on to bear Jean four children by the time of her death in 1682. Now, how they manage that with him at sea all the time, I don't know.
1: Surely, baby. It's my, surely. It's
0: not my place to ask. But hey, hey. Seems like every time shore leave happens, there's a baby that results. So, goal must have been a bit of a fertile myrtle, I don't know. So for the next year, Bart makes a fine living as a squadron commander, taking several entire convoys of Dutch and English merchant ships, and most of their escorting military vessels as well. Possibly upwards of 100 vessels in total, which in itself would be enough to possibly be France's most successful privateer ever. Now he manages to put a major net in enemy shipping, and one story has his ship, the Palm, uh, pulling aside a larger Dutch frigate, the Zeelander. Bart demands that the Dutchman strike its colors, but having the advantage of firepower and a larger crew, the Zeelander's captain refuses. Bart then pulls out a pistol, a small flintlock smoothbore pistol, from about 60 yards, shot the captain through the heart. And the touch crew surrenders, allowing the 18-gun Palm to bring a 36-gun prize back into Dunkirk. Imagine that moment. That's going to be great. Good Lord. You think he was thinking to himself,
1: holy shit, I actually did that. Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> it's, <laughs> how like, was how this guy so impossibly good at everything? Yeah, everything and everything. At everything.
0: If you go to our social media pages, we're going to... We're going to
1: post a picture of how this guy looks. My second favorite thing about... Well, that's my favorite picture, but in all the pictures and statues and paintings, he always looks wildly different. Yeah. <laughs> well, the it, most accurate I one... I feel like the one you just put... I believe it was on our Facebook page, yeah. the one you it's, posted. It's... I believe that is the most accurate. Well, because
0: that came out of an official French court portraitist mm-hmm. as well, towards the end of his life. Yeah,
1: it, it's, uh, it is not reminiscent of his statue.
0: It is... It just... He doesn't have your normal action hero look. I'll put it that way. Although there's one thing about him that was very interesting. In a time when the average height of a male was about five foot five, this dude was six foot seven. Yep. He was enormous.
1: Yep. He was that's absolutely a, enormous. That's one big lad.
0: Which has also got to lead to other problems because if you've ever been aboard like a, a classic Age of Sail warship, like.
1: If you're 5'5, five, five, you still have to duck down a little bit. Yeah.
0: If you've ever gone aboard like the Mayflower or any of the three ships at Jamestown or you've ever been to uh, been aboard like the Golden Hind in London or anything like that, you know, I'm 6 I'm about 6'2, six, 6'3 six, depending on what pair of shoes I'm in and I have to it feels like I'm bent in half at the waist.
1: Yeah, it's unpleasant.
0: Imagine being six foot seven on board these ships.
1: Six foot seven. And like we said, he's he's not a thin six foot seven. John no. Bart is an absolute unit. He
0: is he is a big boy. So we have another incident that takes place during this period where the Dutch Navy blockaded Dunkirk in an attempt to subdue the city and eliminate it as a privateer base. But Bart Squadron broke out, attacked the Dutch, destroyed three vessels and scattered the rest which allowed a large convoy laden with food and supplies to come through the other direction and, and supply the city and allow it to resist the blockade fully and retain its strategic value as a base. So he's not just annoying the enemy, he's doing things that are crucial to the war effort. So such were his exploits that he's recognized by none other than Louis XIV, the famed Sun King, for his service with a medal and a gold chain. This is a big deal. And then when final peace was concluded between all these belligerent powers in sixteen seventy eight and the letter of Mark was no longer valid, Louis' defense minister, Sebastian Vauban, who'd heard of Bart's exploits, decided it would be best to bring him into official royal service and gave him command of a fourteen gun light frigate to cruise against the Barbary Corsairs operating in the Mediterranean. The Barbary Corsairs, of course, being these pirates that sailed out of these North African ports in sort of in in service mostly to the Ottoman Empire. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because they don't give him an official French Navy commission.
1: Yeah, it's 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 kinda like his secret mission. It's Fair like enough. his his, uh, his IMF.
0: Well, there's a reason there's a reason that they weren't willing to give him an official commission. <laughs> you done? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs>
1: a, he was common born. I thought you were sorry, sorry.
0: He was common born. He was low born, he was not nobility. And at this time, in France, in order to be a, a an army officer or a navy officer of any kind of rank, you had to be part of the aristocracy. Yep, you had to be a blue blood. You had to be part of the nobility. It was an absolute requirement. And most of these commissions were bought anyway; they weren't based on merit, which was the system that had been in place for very, very long right. Time. And that's
1: not exclusively French.
0: Yeah, well, that's part of the reason that we're gonna that we're talking about Jean Bart is because he ends up eventually. Fully breaking that mold. Mm-hmm. But, so they're not willing to give him an official, uh, an official commission. But he responds to his new duty by immediately capturing a 16-gun Barbary Galleon. And he recaptures several French and Italian vessels, frees their crews from what was probably going to be slavery. Vauban again takes notice, and he finally convinces Louis to offer Bart an official Royal Naval Commission, making him a lieutenant in the French Navy. So we now have a common-born man in an aristocrat's post. So, yeah, now we're actually fi- starting to finally see signs of a meritocracy. And Jean Bart takes the football. And we, I don't know. No, they don't play. He, he takes the baguette and he runs with
1: it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do Here love their baguettes. Oh, they do. <laughs> mm. Apathy. How, Baguettes gets an apathy. Uh, how else would you know that, like somebody in a in a, a French like film or something got groceries unless there was just a baguette or two sticking out of a, a nondescript mm-hmm. brown paper bag? Yeah,
0: but Bart is now also very aware that he's not going to earn respect from the, his fellows in the officer corps through lineage or through wealth. He's going to have to earn it through action. So several years of peace meant that the next few years of Bart's naval career was mostly spent escorting trading convoys from the Middle East or interdicting Barbary corsair vessels. But in 1683, war breaks out again, this time between France and Spain over some disputed border territories. Um, I forget what this war was called. But again, like most wars, it has several names.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure the French call it something, I'm sure the English Mm -hmm. call it four or five different things.
0: But it gives him the chance to shine once again. He's given command of a 20-gun frigate, and he immediately started by capturing a much larger Spanish frigate with 400 soldiers aboard bound for Genoa, through a fierce boarding action in which his smaller crew mounted a ferocious attack, led by, of course, Bart, who is six foot seven and a human battering ram. And they threw the large French, uh, sorry, the large Spanish contingent into disarray, allowing this vessel to be captured and taken into a French port. And he then is promoted to second in command of a large French ship of the line, the La Modelle, under the captain's. Here we go.
1: The
0: Sieur de Amblimont. Uh, meaning he was a knight, uh, as part of this large free, uh, fleet sent to attack the Spanish port of Cadiz. So in a short, sharp battle with the Spanish fleet, the La captures two Spanish ships of the line because the Sieur d'Ambliment was immediately wounded. He's out of the fight. Bart takes over as captain, and under his leadership and impetuous valor, they capture... Two ships of equivalent size. They do double what they're supposed to do. They help defeat the Spanish, although Bart gets a musket ball in the thigh for his trouble and it leaves him with a lifelong limp. So peace once again breaks out at the end of 1684. Bart is once again uh, relegated to peacetime duties. But, sooner or later, war's going to break out again. In September 1688, we have the Nine Years' War, also known as the War of the Grand Alliance.
1: Which we both decided is the better name of the two.
0: I, I agree. Uh, and it breaks out between France, and it's France against an alliance of the Dutch Republic, England, Spain, the Holy Roman Empire, Denmark, Sweden. General, it's it's France against everybody, pretty much. And I don't know why they picked this fight. It didn't seem like they could win it. They are immediately fighting a war on about seven different fronts. Right. And they, But they kept it going for nine years, so they were doing something right.
1: Yeah, they, they performed fairly well, considering they were fighting yeah. everyone. Well,
0: at this point, France had the most skilled and largest land army in Europe. Mm-hmm. By far. Far and away. So they had that going for them. So, given command of the 24-gun frigate Serpent, Bart set sail from Dunkirk in the company of uh, somebody who would become known as sort of his confidant, his best friend, and his constant companion. This guy named Claude Comte Forbin. Who we mentioned in the sources With orders to escort a convoy to the port of Brest hmm. Bart also decides to bring his 10 year old son with him In order to, and I quote Inure the boy to hardships and danger
1: <laughs> So it's, it's tough love out there Yeah,
0: that is, that is definitely tough, tough love That is hard, a tough love tactic
1: care. Yeah
0: Well, I'm a little concerned that my 10 year old is uh, Not going to become a man So I'm going to take him to war
1: Yeah I don't feel like he respects death enough. Enough.
0: So I'm going to expose him to it on a grand scale. Yep. So on the way, the Serpon was attacked by a well-armed Dutch privateer, which, though outclassed, fought hard, didn't strike her colors until it lost half its crew. And when the Dutch ship opened fire, Bart, and I quote, the the same source here, Bart, quote, fixed his eyes upon his son, And and discerning something like fear in the child, ordered him to be lashed to the mainmast and left him there during the whole action. Jesus Christ! So he tied his kid to the mast. There's cannonballs and musket balls flying around. Jesus Christ! And he goes, "Stop being a wussy." This, I mean, this is just
1: suck it up, Buttercup. Somebody tie him to the mast.
0: That's insane. Now, something must have worked out because the boy grew up to become a vice admiral in the French Navy himself.
1: Yeah, I guess he did... Uh, I he, don't. Know he learned was... a lot about the ins and outs of, of <laughs> naval combat by being tied to, to the mast when he's 10!
0: I don't know if it's because of that incident. I know Jean Bart would like to think it was because of that incident. I have no idea. So, after the successful delivery of that convoy, Bart and De Forman were ordered to escort 20 merchant ships to the French port of Le Havre, but During the journey, they're set upon by a pair of fifty gun English warships in the English (laughs) Channel. Yeah, they're outgunned three guns to one. Yeah, it's not it's 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 not gonna go well. No, but they decide to stand and fight anyway. Of course they do. So they engage one of the English forest raids, and despite being outgunned, they fought hard. They nearly capture the first English ship. (laughs) <laughs> they, they almost they won. Drove, no, they drove its, its <laughs> crew below decks. There was nobody manning the guns. They almost won. And they're about to overrun this thing when the second ship just comes along and just starts pumping cannon fire into both of them. So they end up fighting, quote, like enraged lions to give the merchant vessels time to escape, but their crews are decimated and their ship's so terribly damaged that... And, and they're both wounded in this action, may I point out, that they're forced to strike their colors. They're now in English custody, and both men are taken to the English port of Plymouth. So the French commanders were actually treated well in their captivity. They're you know they're aristocrats. This is a, a gentlemanly time in warfare between yeah. commanders.
1: Yeah, this was not not uncommon. Yeah. Like the, the jail for an officer was usually just someone's house.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now they, they dine with Plymouth's governor. They dine with the local admiral. Their their bravery is acclaimed by these men. Uh, but the men chafed at their captivity and began to make plans for their escape.
1: So they did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so one of Bart's cousins, which was, who was sailing from Ostend, had been blown into Plymouth by a storm, and he obtained permission to see Jean Bart. But when he did it, he slipped him a, a metal file to cut through the window bars he on his. He faked it. Uh, into <laughs> the baguette.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Psst. Jean, I have something for you. <laughs>
1: He hit a file with one of those really long cigarette filters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Another Galois Blanc Jean. No. So, <clears throat> they also obtained the assistance of a captured French surgeon and a pair of cabin boys.
1: Haha <laughs> fancy lights. Two fancy lads
0: <laughs> Who were assigned to attend them. These are captured that, French cabin that's, boys.
1: That was the joke I was waiting to make. It's in my show notes. <laughs> <laughs> to,
0: uh, to attend them... Two French captains
1: manage to use their contacts to obtain a small boat,
0: some sea charts, a compass, and quote bread, cheese, and beer. <sniffs> that sounds right to me. I get it. That's what I would take. So when the time is right and they're given the proper signal from their accomplices, they cut through the win- they file through the window bars and get and cl- they climb down a rope made of bed sheets down to the ground. They take with them many other prisoners, about twenty men. They all <laughs> pile into this ro- this rowboat. And they make their escape, managing to avoid the guard boats in the harbor through dense fog, and and replying to the challenges of these boats. And apparently, Jean Bart spoke masterful English.
1: Uh, apparently,
0: what did, what was this guy
1: good at? Know, he, spoke English. You.
0: he apparently spoke English with no challenge to vocabulary mm-hmm. and with no accent. When he spoke English, he sounded English. No idea how.
1: How many languages does this dude speak?
0: Uh, Flemish, Dutch, French, English, Spanish. That we know Spanish. about. Probably some Spanish. Probably some German. I mean, he was he was a... Relatively speaking, he was a man of the world, but oh yeah. my god. Yeah, who
1: is this dude?
0: And for somebody who probably didn't have any formal education... It's like
1: a fatter Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> it was just, just like an absolute <laughs> specimen. So,
0: having made it away successfully, they spent three days... Tirelessly rowing, and after, and, and it said that Bart was at the oars for the entire three days. He also had a reputation for being tremendously strong. Mm-hmm. Like, dude was strong like bull. Strong
1: and like bull. Apparently,
0: he only slowed down in the rowing to eat. And so they end up making it 150 miles. They land in Brittany in the north of yeah, France. He's
1: going to say, they're not close. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not close. It's, it's
0: it, Yeah, it's not Dover to Calais. It's not that 20 yeah, it miles. Was, it it's, was it's, it's, 52 it's hours yeah. of
1: continuous rowing.
0: So word soon makes it to Louis 14th of Barden de Forban's exploits. And for this, they're given large cash pensions, and they're both promoted to the rank of captain. So again, low-born boy climbing in the ranks. So after his return to Dunkirk... Uh, Bart marries his second wife. Here we go with this name, and
1: this is Flemish. This is a fun one. Jacoba Ture. <clears throat> excuse me, on
0: October 1689, insane. and she would go on to bear him ten more children. Get it, son. <laughs> he was a busy man. Get it, son. <laughs> he was a busy man. Uh, so Bart's next command would come to where uh, would come when he was given the forty gun Aucion as part of a sixty eight ship fleet under the Count de Tourville being assembled to attack the Anglo-Dutch Combined Fleet in June 1690. Seeking to again distinguish himself, he sets sail with a few men in his tiny little sloop with fishing nets to reconnoiter the enemy fleet. He encounters a bunch of British Guard boats, he's challenged again and again and again, and every time he uses his impeccable English to say, nope, we're just a fishing boat, don't mind us, don't mind us. He manages to survey the whole enemy fleet, reports back without being discovered and the intelligence he gathered around the uh, allowed the French to gain their greatest naval victory of the war at the Battle of Beachy Head during which the Alcyon managed to disable and capture a larger Dutch ship adding to Bart's growing reputation. This guy can't fuck up. No. Like I said, it's Jason Bourne. It, he is the anti-Steve Bonnet. Yeah. It's, it's literally everything this guy touches turns to gold. Yeah. It's insane. He's even good at, at breaking out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> So, Bart spends the rest of the year running convoy escorts and attacking the Dutch and Swedish whaling fleets. He manages to recruit over 40,000 crowns in prize money. Now, what exactly a crown is worth, I don't know. Apparently, it is an absolute metric fuck ton. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and during this whole thing, he's growing fabulously rich. So, his exploits and success had earned him unprecedented recognition from the French Admiralty. In early 1691, he's given command of the 66-gun Entendu, and promoted to rear admiral so he's now in a position that is normally held by somebody who is like born a baron mm-hmm. like born into the
1: high nobility yeah this is this is not, not it, like to be a captain you got to have some bucks mm-hmm. to be a rear admiral oh, bucks yeah to Bo-boom be a rear admiral bucks, yeah. you have substantial land holdings that you're just born into mm-hmm. this yeah. doesn't happen so he's
0: sent to dunkirk to await the king's orders during a period of relative inactivity for the french navy But Dunkirk is once again blockaded by the Dutch. Ordered to break the blockade and sail to Brest to rejoin the fleet solo with just the Entendu, just his ship, Bart took the opportunity to go above and beyond his orders. He outfits a squadron of small-armed vessels and he uses the Entendu like a battering ram to break through the Dutch fleet and allows the smaller, faster fleet of privateers to break out into the open sea and begin attacking merchant shipping once again. Starting with a small group of British vessels sailing from Russia that had a prize value of four million livres, which is eighty-five million dollars. Just, it's crazy money. And he's he's just
1: stumbling on these things.
0: Yeah, it's he is either the most skilled man in the world or the freaking luckiest, and I don't know which one's which.
1: Uh, yeah, it, I, I feel like it's a little from column A and a little from column B. I
0: just think... It, I don't think Fortune has ever smiled on somebody like it smiled on John Moore. Uh, like, everything.
1: Everything he's doing here is successful.
0: So, before he rejoins the fleet, he takes the time to savage a large Dutch trade, uh, fishing fleet, just stumbles upon, like, 80 Dutch fishing vessels, and burns most of them. He sails to the coast of Scotland. He puts ashore about 300 men from the Entendu's crew... Builds a fort on the Scottish coast and sets about out of that fort, burning several coastal villages and a castle.
1: And a castle.
0: And a castle, just for good measure, and a whole bunch of fishing boats, little transport boats. The Scots send about 300 militiamen to attack it. The French just cut them to pieces. I don't think they took a single casualty. Killed about half the Scotsmen. And eventually, he just gets tired of it, and the French just pack up and go. Hmm. So after his raid on this was a good
1: fort, but let's see what other fabulous prizes we can just find. Let's see what else just happens into our laps. So he sails back to Brest. He gets his orders,
0: and he spends the next two years doing what he did best: attacking convoys, raiding coastlines, capturing enemy warships, and actions that are just really too numerous to go over in a podcast of this length. So what I will bring up is that during this time. He's becoming the most successful and most famous military commander in France, much to the chagrin of the aristocracy. He's not well-liked at Versailles by most of the French court because he's low-born. And his success has brought on a huge amount of jealousy. But he had a friend in Louis XIV. The king loved this guy.
1: Mm -hmm. And if I was the king, I'd love this guy too. Yeah.
0: Now, Louis XIV was a guy with a lot of problems, a lot of idiosyncrasies, but he was pragmatic enough to know a great military asset when he saw one. And now, so we, we have another factor coming into play at this time. And that's during 1692 and 1693, there's a series of massive crop failures in France. It brings on famine, it brings on epidemics that basically kill nearly 2 million people. So by 1694, we're getting into the second part of the war, France is reliant, completely reliant, on these huge grain shipments from neutral countries like Denmark, Poland, and Sweden. And these are the only things keeping French troops supplied and keeping the war effort afloat.
1: It's, it's keeping Paris from abject starvation
0: absolutely and it's and it's the need for these convoys that brings jean bart to the next action which would just fully cement him in legend down through the ages
1: yeah is this his greatest success i think so probably
0: i think so because of what it means to france yeah so a massive convoy of about 120 ships filled with grain (laughs) set sail from norway with an escort of three neutral warships but they've been captured without a fight by a force of eight large dutch men of war So Bart sets sails with orders to join up with the convoy to escort it to French ports, but they left before he got there. He finds out along the way about their capture by the Dutch. He intercepts the convoy and with his seven smaller French ships launches a. This is on June 24th, sorry, June 29th, 1694. Sends his seven smaller French ships in a head on attack at the Dutch ships, captures three of the Dutch ships, the rest of them run away. They take about 700 casualties. The French don't lose a the ship; they take less than seventy. So he ha- he launches a full-on attack where the Dutch should have the advantage, and he inflicts ten casualties to everyone he suffers.
1: I have them listed at sixteen killed and fifty wounded on the French yeah, side. sixty-six and over three hundred killed, wounded aren't mentioned, mm. but there are three hundred killed. Yeah, he just
0: savages this Dutch fleet. It's so he takes he returns to Dunkirk. He has every ship in the grain convoy with him. He's greeted. He's given a hero's he welcome. He
1: every ship in the green convoy, plus 30 additional merchantmen.
0: Yeah, they all just joined up. Yeah. So, and this is the convoy that saves the French war effort in 1694. If they didn't get this convoy, if they lost it to the Dutch, they were probably going to have to surrender and lose this war at a real disadvantage. So, <clears throat> he gets a... Heroes welcome, huge ecstatic crowds, and on July 4th, 1694, he's invited to Versailles for a personal audience with Louis XIV.
1: On the good old 4th of July. yeah, Nothing so, more American than the apple pie and Louis XIV.
0: August, 14th, or August 4th, he's personal, he has an audience with the king. He's personally thanked by the king. And this is, a, this is a common-born man getting an audience with the king. This is unheard of. And he gets personal thanks from the king and finally... He's granted a knighthood. He's now officially part of the aristocracy. He is nobility now in the eyes of the nation. He gets a sizable pension, and he gets promoted to the rank of admiral. Now, it's also said that during this audience, when asked by Louis how he had broken the blockade at Dunkirk, he arranged some of the courtiers that were present in a line, and then decided to demonstrate it by charging right through them and knocking some of them over with his fists. (laughs)
1: In front of the French Man, King. Man, that had to feel so good. Oh, in front, front of it, the Sun King. And the King it. loved it. Louis loved it. But this is a dude that his whole life, he just wanted to crack crack that that glass ceiling. And then, as soon as he did, he just started punching rich people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just the second, the second he did, it was like, I'm right. I'm
0: the 99% bitch. Line so two, another two years kind of go by. He's doing his usual thing, convoy escort, raiding, beating up the Dutch and English fleets. It's during this period, though, that the French kind of lose the upper hand in the war. They're, they're broke. Uh, and they suffer major, several major defeats on land, as well as at sea, at the hands of the combined Anglo-Dutch fleets, which Jean Bart has nothing to do with. He's off on his own independent operations. And they have these huge armies now, but we're also dealing with pre industrial power, so they can't financially support a war effort this big and this long. But Bart is given the opportunity to give the French people one last great triumph to celebrate, though. June 17, 1696. Off Dogger Bank, west of Denmark, Admiral Bart had set out from Dunkirk with a squadron of seven ships to attack a huge 112 ship Dutch merchant convoy, escorted by five warships. All this time, His little squadron is being hunted by an 18-strong English fleet under Admiral John Benbow. Now, taking advantage of what short time he had, Bart tracks down the the Dutch convoy, attacks it again, head-on, running straight at the Dutch escorts, and in a ferocious attack, manages to capture all five warships and captures or destroys 25 of the Dutch merchant vessels, captures about 1,200 enemy sailors, and sends the entire convoy running for ports all over Europe. He interdicts a crucial alliance operation meant to deal a death blow to the French, and he manages to do it at the cost of only 30 casualties. So, although the appearance of Benbow's English ships meant that Bart was unable to finish the job completely, again, he gets fated as a hero, he gets the hero's welcome, and he receives even more accolades at court, he gets land grants, this guy's now a landed gentleman. So, he has accomplished everything he wants to accomplish.
1: Kind of wish he would have squared off
0: against Benbow there.
1: Because Benbo was an outstanding commander.
0: Yeah, he also had he, eight, he, he, he he had, had eighteen, 18 armed ships. Guns. Yeah, eighteen ships of the line
1: mm-hmm. against
0: seven insane. ships that were not. The,
1: the privateer convoy were, were not. Like I
0: think the largest of of, of Jean Bart's ships in this convoy had about fifty guns. They're about Benbo's, <laughs> fleet. were dealing with 80, 90 gun ships of the line. Right, some of them. Yeah,
1: they, the, they, they, uh, they I know. The French, whenever they they squared up against the Dutch, had them outgunned. They had mm-hmm. more warships and they had yeah. more guns. But
0: this was a battle that they they were going to win. Benbo yeah, Benbo was going there for a reason. Like there's yeah. a reason
1: why if you're hunting John Bart, you bring eighteen men of war. Yeah. Now, 1697,
0: the Treaty of Ryswick finally brings the War of the Grand Alliance to close, but Bart gets one final exploit. Before the war is over, because luckiest man in the world.
1: Mm-hmm. So towards
0: the end of the war, he's tasked by the Admiralty with carrying the Prince de Conti, uh, François-Louis de Bourbon, the French candidate for the Polish crown, Bourbon. to Danzig.
1: <laughs> <Bourbon>.
0: <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the Polish king died, the French, they have a link to it. They can If they can get one of their nobility in on the throne, they have an ally. They have an ally in Eastern Europe as a buffer against Russia and as a buffer against the Ottoman Empire. So, this demanded slipping six frigates through a tight enemy blockade, which Bart managed to do by taking advantage of darkness and a dense fog. But when they were clear of the danger, the prince asked Admiral Bart if he had not been afraid that the enemy was going to capture them. Now, much to the prince's horror, Bart informed him that they weren't in the slightest danger of such a a contingency. Because he had his son, the same one he tied to the mast, standing next to the powder magazine with a lit match. In case they were captured, and just well, they get boarded. Guess what? Kaboom! <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> now imagine being the heir, to, uh, being a high French nobleman, is going. Hold on, you were going to kill us all? Yeah, you were going to what? Zut alors!
1: Dieu! mais non!
0: So, with the signing of the treaty, Bart goes into what he thinks will probably be a temporary retirement until the next war. The next war doesn't take long to happen. 1702, it kicks in. Unfortunately, that was not to be. He returns to Dunkirk. He spends time with his wife and kids. But on the 27th of April, 1702, at the age of 51, Jean Bart died in his home of pleurisy, which is an infection of the membrane surrounding the lungs. His remains are buried in the church of Eglise saint Saint-Éloi in Dunkirk. Where a prominent statue of him still stands to this day in the town square that bears his name. It
1: survived World War II. Yeah, Dunkirk. Seventy percent. Dunkirk was almost was it seventy percent? Seventy. Well, because well, my grandfather was evacuated at Dunkirk in Mm nineteen forty with
0: the British Army, and the town got devastated. Then it got devastated again Again, in forty four. I was going
1: to say when they went back, and got it again.
0: Statue was untouched.
1: Mm -hmm. It's still there now. I'm,
0: I'm not a that much of a religious believer, but man, somebody was smiling down. on Even this his guy.
1: statue's good. What can, uh, this guy, man? Yeah. I'm telling you. And that,
0: yeah, you have. I want to get my hands Bar- on one of
1: these books so I can get more on this dude. Yeah. If like, we had time to, he goes down them.
0: in history. So his legend far surpasses his own time. He's had 27 ships of the French Navy named after him, including the most powerful French battleships of both World Wars and France's most modern naval frigate. It's also named after the guy. Now, records indicate he captured, and if you've been keeping track, you might be somewhere around this number, 386 ships in his career.
1: That's stupid. That's absolutely stupid. The
0: prize money he was awarded is equivalent to, wait for it, $22.6 billion. His share... This guy would have been the third richest man in the world today. $22.6 billion. He burns and sank. And that's the thing is we don't include how many enemy ships he burned or sank. And this makes him the most prolific privateer in the history of sale. His reputation is an up-and-atom type, a man of action rather than a strategist. And he's got this rags-to-riches rise in a time of intense social stratification. Not to mention his sheer size and bulk and his bravado... Have cemented him
1: in the lore of the sea to this day. Yeah, the the guy was uh, the same dimensions as Darth Vader. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like they were both listed as a hair over two
0: meters. Yep. So, yeah, I mean it, his his legend is so entrenched in France to this day that if you go to France anytime soon and you know you need to you know clean up your appearance, you can buy a can of Jean Bart shoe polish or cigarettes or Jean Bart cigarettes. Yeah. And if I know the French, they love their cigarettes.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm, look at them across the channel. We beat them in the seventeenth in the seventeenth century.
1: They're still living on that one. John Bart's a
0: big fat man. he couldn't, he could not be beat. And now I am smoking him.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's the story of John Bart.
1: Man, this dude like it's unfair. It's unfair how good this guy is at everything.
0: And I have to say, he's been a lot of fun to talk about, a lot of fun to research, but at the end of this, I must say, I'm oddly disappointed. Why is that? And I'm oddly disappointed because you never brought up your character of Jean Bart Simpson. Well, that, that was because I thought easy. we were going to really steer into this. I kid.
1: thought about it, and I really couldn't find a way to shoehorn it in. But it was whenever you had to. I'm giving you an opportunity now. Well, it was it was uh, what the third season I think when it was Bart so Whenever he was in the he was in the bathtub. Yeah, and I, I couldn't oh, find a way to shoehorn in old Bart Simpson. <laughs> Uh, okay just just so uh, you know I'm looking at um, 22 billion dollars mm-hmm. it is it would be the 140 second largest nation by GDP. Holy shit today.
0: So he would have had more money than like 75 countries. Moldova,
1: Malta, Iceland, Jesus Guinea,
0: Christ.
1: The Bahamas, Fiji Burundi, Suriname, Liberia, Djibouti. Wow, San Marino, Grenada, Saint Kitts. Oh yeah, Tonga. Like up to, yeah, man, that's insane. Um, that's that's not mind blowing. Uh, he comes in just behind Kosovo, <laughs> just behind wow. Kosovo, and just ahead of Niger. Wow, that's
0: ridiculous.
1: <laughs> Holy
0: shit! Yeah, that's mind blowing.
1: That's uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that makes him without a doubt
0: the most prolific privateer ever. Stupid by by a mile.
1: And that that's. Today.
0: Yeah, that's today.
1: That's today.
0: So, yeah, that's that's the story of Jean man.
1: Everything he touched Framing. was good. Yeah. He broke out of jail like Bugs Bunny and, and it worked. <laughs> 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 like, they they, had, they snuck in a file yeah. and he tied bed sheets together and crept down the side of now, the building. The only way
0: it could be more Bugs Bunny is he was dressed as a sexy lady when he did it.
1: Well, we tried that with... Woohoo! Uh, we tried that... Uh, with, uh, that was uh, your boy Steed. Yeah, your boy Steed. Steed tried it. He would. Well, like
0: we've been saying, Jean Bart is the anti-Steed.
1: Yeah, it could be it. But he'd be he'd be sneaking out dressed as a woman, and then that skunk yeah. Pepe Le Pew would be out there hitting <laughs> on him real bad. And boy, as soon oh. as he got back to France,
0: <laughs> Pepe La Hashtag Me Too. Oh, oh yeah. So that's that's the story for today. I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, next week. I'm real excited for next time. Yeah, well, not we, next week, next time.
1: We, we're going to pivot.
0: Yeah. We're, we're going to pivot. We're going after our first con man.
1: Yeah, and he's a good one. And we're going after
0: a very special con man. And a guy who's very close to my heart because he's just, A, a lunatic, and B, a Scotsman. I know the terms are often interchangeable, but this guy conned tens of thousands of people into thinking that he'd started his own nation in Central America. Yep. Gregor McGregor. And if you're going to pick a fake name, god damn it's it. a good one. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be talking about Gregor McGregor next time. And
1: this story is going to be if you aren't already familiar with Gregor McGregor, uh, much more modern. Yeah, this than is you would this think. is first half of the 19th
0: century. This wasn't yep. all that long ago. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, this was this was a, a 100 to 200 years after most of the stories we tell.
1: Yeah. This so, is a good one.
0: Yeah, so, uh, Chris, where can they find us on social media?
1: You want to find us on social media, you can hit us up on Twitter at PodcastTRR. If you want to find us on Facebook or YouTube, go ahead and just search Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. Uh, At Instagram, we are available at TRRPod. And if you want to drop us an email, uh, shoot us a message, TRRPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, by all means, any constructive criticism, please throw it out there. Uh, anything else, I'll just black and report you.
0: <laughs> of course, and you can find our episodes on all the major platforms. Uh, please, you know, subscribe,
1: download, download, share,
0: share, rate, review. We'd Love to hear your commentary. Yes, love reviews. to hear you I gotta what check your reviews. Um, you can find me Rob on Instagram at meatneck. You can find me on
1: Twitter at meatneck two. You can find pictures of Jack uh, on my Instagram. Uh, at nightlife commando, and uh, before we go any further, I just want to let everybody know that Rob said breast three times today, and I didn't laugh at one. I'm so proud of you, man. I'm, I'm, you know what, man? I'm growing up. Yeah, I'm growing up. 32. I think you're finally there. I know. I know. I got a big, big <laughs> birthday coming up. Uh,
0: yeah. So coming up soon. We are also going to have our first little field trip. Yeah, this is a bad idea, dude.
1: This This is a bad idea.
0: Chris and I, I, for St. Patrick's Day weekend, we're going to be going down to Bradenton, Florida. We're going to be going down to hang out at Pirate Spring Training, catching a couple games, hanging out with a bunch of retired yinzers who are going to try to kill us with alcohol.
1: It's going to happen.
0: And we're going to record an episode while we're down there. So that should be kind of fun. We might have a couple guests. We're trying to figure that out right now, so stay tuned for that.
1: We're going to play this one by year. (laughs) We're going to wing it. <laughs> because there will be just an absolutely heroic amount of alcohol. Yeah, yeah,
0: we're going down in legend this time. Of course, thanks as always to our friends, the Bloody Seamen, for the use of their music. Check them out on iTunes. They have a couple great albums. They are absolutely awesome, awesome pirate punk. And uh, also, we have another really big announcement. I yep. think,
1: and we, we just just launched this bad boy. This is hot off the presses, and launched it. it. That's going correct. to be uh, evolving over the next couple of days, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Feel free to go ahead, hop on.
0: Yeah. Now, I want to preface this by saying we are, we, our goal is to keep all the episodes and everything that you can find on all the major platforms absolutely 100% free yes. for you. Now, unfortunately, this making this podcast, buying the research material, buying the equipment does cost us some money.
1: Yeah. We got to host this, and that ain't yeah. cheap either.
0: Yeah. So it's, you know, we and we don't want to demand anything from anybody. We don't want any kind of compulsory payment or anything like that. We don't, we don't want, want to
1: fire to... a beating on you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> However, <laughs> that's,
1: what, that's what we could do. We could start holding dudes up. <laughs> that's
0: true. That's true. We we will consider it. But in the meantime, we are launching our Patreon page. Yes. Uh, if you don't know what Patreon is, it is a website that allows you to become a patron of content creators like ourselves it allows you to make a monthly donation as little as $1. Or a one-time donation. Or a one-time speed. donation to help support the podcast. Um, now, what what do you get out of it? Now, if you give to our Patreon account, we will you'll will get a special shout-out on an episode here. I know that doesn't mean much, but you will also get access to a lot of... Uh, Specialty content that we're going to have coming out. A lot of video and audio content. Specialty episodes, interviews, uh, sitting down with with Chris and myself and some friends of ours. We're going to do things like reviewing pirate movies. We're going to be doing some little kind of stinger stuff that's a lot of fun. It's not going to be as long as our our full episodes, but uh, if you donate to our Patreon account, you will have access to that. And you can find it at patreoncom slash trrpod. Thank you in advance to everybody who donates. We really, really appreciate it. You have our eternal, eternal
1: thanks. And if you don't donate, shame on you. <laughs>
0: we still love you, and you can still listen to our episodes. And now we're, we're still fire our friends. Beating on you, but yeah, we may just fire a beating on you. So <laughs> avoid that by donating to our Patreon it or else. <laughs> get it out of the way now, man. Oh, we yeah. can't do that next time. Next time we get go. Next time we're going full Scottish, and that's gonna get weird.
1: Yes, oh, yes, so. it is. I'm, I picture him as like the really angry Scottish guy from Samurai Jack. Do you remember that? Scotsman? Oh my god, the Scotsman. Did he have Angus. Angus. I, I think but it was Angus. Was, I love his boss name for years. Man, so i got to watch yeah. me some Samurai Jack. That show was <laughs> excellent. So
0: everybody, you have that to look forward to next time. Stay warm out there. I know this polar freeze is hitting us so hard. It sucks. Stay it inside. Sucks. Like, this is just so, dumb. It sucks so bad. But hold tight because warmer temperatures are coming. Unseasonably warm, and that means we're all going to die. But, you know, we'll deal with that when it comes. So in the meantime, take it easy. We'll catch you next time. And as always, hold fast. Oh,
1: oh, that oh, Is oh, oh me? Oh.